Texas at the passing of uh, Ida's dad. Um, I believe the arrangements will be made available at some point this week, and we can be in prayer for them, uh, for God's peace and blessing for them. Uh, let's, uh, as you're turning your Bibles, I'm going to open a word of prayer. Lord, I do love you, God. I do thank you um, for a privilege that it is to, to preach and to, uh, to study your word and to, to bring this message, God. I pray that you'd just be with me now, that you'd uh, clear my thoughts, help me not to say anything that um, isn't found in Scripture, and, and uh, just to be true to what uh, the message I, I believe you've placed on my heart, God. I ask for your help tonight. I pray in your name. Amen. We're going to be talking about despised worship. Despised worship, specifically uh, between David uh, and his wife, Michal. And I'm going to mess that up the rest of the night. And so the Bible that we have in English says Michael, or it looks like Michael, and so I'm going to say Michael. Um, but I did, I looked it up in, the, in the, um, the Hebrew there, and that's how they would pronounce it. But I'm going to trip over it all night, so I'm not going to try and do that. One second here, I just got to find my place as well. First Chronicles, uh, I told you chapter 15, it's actually chapter 13. Our story takes place, uh, the, the Bible account here is when David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to, or to Jerusalem. And you might ask yourself, well, why wasn't it there? What took place that, uh, that the Israelites had lost the Ark of the Covenant? If we were to go back in 1 Samuel chapter number 4, we'd find that Israel had gone to battle against the Philistines. It's a very common occurrence. They had fights all the time, wars all the time. Um, and in this instance, Israel was in sin. Israel did not have God's blessing. And so when Israel went uh, to fight against the Philistines, they lost. That first battle, they lost 4,000 men. And Israel wasn't used to that. They weren't used to losing you know, if you had God on your side, you were used to winning, you know. And so in this instance, they lost and they start scratching their head. Okay, what did we do wrong? What, what, uh, um, what could we do different? And they got the bright idea, you know what, let's go. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant, bring it to the battlefield, and then that's our, our lucky rabbit's foot. There's no way that we can lose if we have the Ark of the Covenant with us, with our army. Well, they go and they get the ark, they bring it to the battlefield. They are so confident, the Bible says, that their shout shook the earth. The Philistines were scared, they were, they were terrified. What's going on? They hear the ark of the covenant is in their camp. And the, the Philistines, oh, we have no hope. But when they go to battle, God judges the people of Israel and they were defeated this is the story of when uh, the messenger comes back to Eli, and Eli was sitting on a bench, the Bible talks about, and when he receives the message that both his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed, and that the Ark of the Covenant was lost, Eli fell backwards. The Bible says that it, it killed him. He died. The, the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant into their temple, Dagon. Uh, this, the brief story there is that uh, the next morning, their, their idol is fallen, before the Ark of the Covenant, they set it back up. The next day, it's fallen again. God sends uh, judgment to the Philistines because they had stolen the Ark. For seven months, the Philistines were judged for having the Ark in their possession. Uh, the Philistines, realizing that God is judging them, say, no, we want to get rid of the Ark. Um, and so they bring it, uh, and it ends up at a place uh, in the home of Abinadab. And for around 40 years... 
Uh, the Bible doesn't give us the exact uh, total, but for around 40 years, the ark is in the possession of Abinadab. Uh, Saul uh, is, is anointed king after the, the ark has returned to Israel, and yet Saul never, that the Bible records, made an effort to bring the ark back. Never made an effort to, to elevate the ark back to a place of worship and, and priority, and so it, it just sat there. Well, David comes on the scene. Uh, we know Saul ruled uh, 40 years. David comes on the scene, and he says, no, we need God's blessing. We need God's presence. Remember, the, the, the ark was, was um, uh, where the Ten Commandments were, and there's other objects in that, in that um, in the box of, of the ark, and, the, and, and God talked about his presence resting between the two angels uh, in, the, in the wings there, and just a lot of symbolism in that ark that was so important to the Jewish uh, religion and worship. And so when David uh, begins to rule, he says, we need the ark. We need God's blessing. And so he begins to, to make the plan uh, to bring the, the, uh, the ark back. And, and their first attempt, if you remember, they load up on a cart and uh, uh, two men are driving the cart and they, one of the ox stubble, uh, stumbles. Uzzah is the one that reaches out, touches the, the ark. And what happens? God smote him dead. God took his life because they didn't do it the way that God wanted them to. They did not follow um, the, the, the example that God had given them. And so David, David talks about being scared. I'm trying to find the verse here. And I, I apologize. I'm, I'm a little absent here. I'm sure I'll come to it. But it talks about uh, David being scared. He says, how can we bring the ark back? You know, we tried. God, I tried to get your blessing. I tried uh, to bring the ark back. And what happened? We went a short distance. An ox, an animal stumbles. Someone reaches out and you kill him. And David was scared. Uh, we'll look at verse uh, chapter 13 here. In 1 Chronicles chapter number 13, we're going to see what David does. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 1, David consults, consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader, and David said unto all the congregation of Israel, if it seem good to you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and the Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing seemed right in the eyes of all the people. David already had the support. He had talked to all the different leaders, the Bible says the captains of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader, and he said, let's get the congregation together, let's get all the people. You know, this wasn't just, uh, you know, a small little procession that they were going to do. They had the nation uh, in, in some capacity, uh, you know, give feedback. Do we need the ark? Do we want the ark? And they said, verse 4, all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. This was not a small task, not a small undertaking. And we already mentioned the first attempt, uh, Uzzah is, is killed, but the second attempt we find in First Chronicles chapter number 15. 
This time, David, David was patient. David, it took three months, I believe, for David to search and to figure out how to do this process, how to carry the ark, how to, what the procession would look like, how to do that properly. First Chronicles 15, verse 1, the Bible says, And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then said David, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem. This was a national event, not just a local event, a national event, to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. Go down to verse 16. 1 Chronicles 15, verse 16, the Bible says, And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers. All right, part of the process was going to be music. How many of you know that David was, I believe, divinely blessed of God in the, in the area of music? You know, when Saul was, was um, under the influence of, of the evil spirits, David played music and it brought peace to him. You know, many of the psalms were written as songs, things that could be sung. And so David understood music. And in the process of bringing back the ark, not only did he have the right, uh, the right uh, tribe to do it, but they also said, we want music. We want to appoint singers. We want with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals sounding by lifting up the voice with what? Anyway, with joy, all right? This wasn't going to be a somber event. This wasn't going to be solemn. This wasn't going to be like a funeral procession. David said, we're going to have the Levites. We're going to do it the way that God told us to. We're going to have music. There are going to be cymbals. There's going to be harps. There's going to be um, psalteries. There's going to be lifting up of the voice. How many can lift up your voice when you're whispering? No, it was going to be loud. Lifting up their voice with joy. You know, in, in a way, this was going to be a celebration. The ark that had been lost for, for, I know it wasn't lost, they knew where it was, but hadn't been used correctly, that hadn't been taken advantage of, that hadn't been, had its rightful place, was going to be restored. And David said, we are going to celebrate what God has done. We're going to celebrate, we're going to worship God and thank him uh, because I believe David thought he's going to bless us. It is the right thing to do to receive God's blessing. First Chronicles 15, verse 25, the Bible says, So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the hosts of Obed-Edom with joy. Okay, again, with happiness, with celebration, with enthusiasm, with joy, the Bible says. First Chronicles, uh, verse 26, it came to pass that when, when God uh, helped the Levites, okay, that's important. Did God help them the first time? The Bible doesn't say. But in this attempt, the Bible records that when God helped the Levites that bear the Ark of the Covenant, that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. Verse 27, David was clothed with a robe of fine linen. Um, and, that, and that's an important part in our discussion tonight. All right, David was the anointed king of Israel. All right, they elevated him. He had a position of respect, a position of honor. Uh, he had a crown. He had kingly robes, you know. Um, the king had 
had a title, he had possessions, he had all these different things, and he would dress the part. You know, he would look, you would see David walking across, you would know that is a king. All right, but what does the Bible say that he wore for this? What did he wear when they were bringing the ark back? He was clothed with a robe of fine linen. And we'll keep reading. And all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers, and Shania, the master of the song with the singers, and David also had upon him an ephod of linen. All right, this was a, 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 a priestly look. This was a look of, of the, the procession. All right, David took off, essentially took off his crown, left his kingly attire at the castle, or the, not the castle, I'm sorry, the, the, um, his house, whatever we're going to call it, um, and he puts on religious attire. You know, he fit in with the Levites, and I, and I don't believe that David rode on the, the horse at the front. You know, who were they glorifying? Who were they, they seeking to, to praise and lift up? God. And so David, in, in what we see here, humbled himself to fit in, I believe, um, with that procession. And, and he went from being the king of Israel to just a follower of God and just worshiping the Lord and, and, and praising him that they could have the ark back. Verse 28, thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant with the Lord with what? Oh, it was quiet. It was calm. It was dignified. What's your Bible say? With shouting, with the sound of the cornet, and with the trumpets, and with cymbals. Have you ever heard a quiet cymbal? No. <laughs> They're loud. Making a noise with sultry and harps. This was a day of rejoicing and celebration. As I was preparing this, the thought kind of popped in my mind. Um, did anyone attend uh, the, the parade when the Raptors won the NBA, NBA championship? Did anyone go to Toronto? I know some of our teens, they went up. In 2019, the NBA championship was won by the Toronto Raptors, and Toronto went wild. I already mentioned some of our teens went up there. An estimated million people gathered downtown Toronto to celebrate a bunch of guys that could throw a ball in a hoop. And, and just the party and the celebration, um, you know, those, those basketball players rode on uh, an open bus, you know, and everyone was cheering and, and screaming over a basketball game, you know. But it gave me a little bit of a picture. I wonder what the scene was when the ark came back, you know. Um, when, when David and Saul would, would go out into battle years prior they would come back. In 1 Samuel verse 18, the Bible records, And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet Saul with tabrets, with joy, with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens thousands. Okay, Israel knew how to have a celebration. They knew how to give someone or something honor. You know, it was very common in their culture. It was something that wasn't new, that wasn't, um, you know, unique. And so in this instance, all that praise was to God. This instance, all that worship was to God. All that, all that celebration was because God's ark 
was coming back to Jerusalem. And yet we find in, in go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel is the parallel uh, record of, of 1 Chronicles, verse 15. 2 Samuel, chapter number 6. And I wonder sometimes, you know, it'll be one of those questions that we can ask God. You know, on such a joyous day, on such a day of celebration, a day of, of rejoicing and, and, and just such a, a great day, why would God choose to record this next bit? And, I, you know, I think it's for our, our, to challenge us. I know it challenged me. I was reading this in my devotions, and it made me pause and say, oh, man. And we'll get to some of our application as we go. But in 2 Samuel chapter number 6, verse 12, we find a response that was, was less than spectacular. A response of, of being despised. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible says, And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And we, we've, we've read all that. We, we've known that part of the story. Verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Okay, he was not calm. He was not dignified, if we want to use that word. David danced, and not in a, a sensual way that we understand dancing today. You know, it's not in a, not in a club, you know, not at some high school dance. But the, the Jews had a, a dance that they would do at weddings. They had dances that they would do at worship. And so it's a different idea, okay? So get, get our sinful dancing of the 2022 and, and put that as far out of your mind as you can. All right, that was not what this is. Um, that word for dancing quite literally means whirling or spinning. You know, it wasn't a sensual thing at all. And the Bible records not to, to prove that it wasn't sensual. David danced before who? What's your Bible say? Before the Lord. All right. It doesn't say David danced as a show. David danced for attention. The Bible says that David danced, and it adds that phrase, before the Lord. That phrase, if you go through the Bible and, and you just search for that phrase, before the Lord, it has to do with the idea, um, it literally means before the face of Jehovah, or just, there's two words, face Jehovah, and that's what we interpret before the Lord. You know, it was in God's, in God's presence it was directed towards him. You know, God was the audience of what David was doing before the Lord. And again, as, as the theme of this celebration was, it wasn't subdued. It wasn't calm. It wasn't reserved. It was with all his might. You know, it was a passionate worship in response to what God was doing. And David was girded with a linen ephod. We read that in First Chronicles. He was not wearing his kingly attire. He was not wearing the clothes that his position as king of Israel would have entitled him to. He was clothed with a linen ephod. Verse 15, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpet 
And the ark of the Lord came in the city of David. Uh, but Michal, or, or Michael, we'll just say Michael tonight, Saul's daughter. Okay, this was David's wife. All right, if we remember the story, Saul gave Michael to David to be his wife and then took her away, gave her to another man to be, her, to be his wife. And then when David became king, he went and took her back. All right, so there's a lot of history here. Um, and, but we see, and for whatever reason, God records her response. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window, saw King David leaping and dancing. And then even this is recorded again before the Lord. All right. It wasn't central. It wasn't sinful before the Lord. Um, I'm sorry. I lost my place. Dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. She saw David's display of celebration and worship and enthusiasm for what God was, was doing and what was going to happen. And she despised him. Back in 1 Chronicles 15, 29, the Bible says, It came to pass as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. That word dancing and playing, playing has the idea of, uh, I already mentioned, whirling or spinning. And, and she said, she, it, it, it got so angry. You know, that word despise means to, uh, to judge, condescend. You know, it's a very strong, not just disliked. You know, when, when, um, when Sarah heard that God said, you're going to have a child, she laughed inside in her heart. That's not what we're talking about. She had anger towards David. She despised him. Despise is contempt, a strong dislike. Notice that the Bible doesn't record that she was with the procession. What does the Bible say? That she was looking out a window. She didn't have anything to do with it. The ark was coming into, into Jerusalem. All right, there, the people were in the streets. There was a parade. There was singers. There was, was all this loud music, this, this, this celebration. And she was inside. She was removed from it. She was upset about David's behavior. She maybe thought it was unbefitting of a king. You know, maybe she was resentful to David, you know, because of, of what had happened, being given by Saul, being taken by Saul, and now David taking her again. You know, there is a lot of history there. The Bible doesn't record a ton about it, but all it says is that she saw David's worship and she despised him for it. You know, we're, we're, we'll pause for a second. Pastor Fury, you know, we're in the office and we'll, we'll have our debates or whatever. And he says he hates when people use David's life as an example and say, David did it. We should do it. Um, David was a man after God's own heart. David did this. We should do that. Okay. And so we are going to answer the question, was David's behavior appropriate? Was that what was honoring to God? You know, um, David was an adultery. Adultery is not right. So we can't just say, well, David did it, we should, we should behave that way. And so we'll answer the question, was David's display of worship and celebration when the ark was coming to Jerusalem acceptable? Was it something that God was pleased with? And I, I believe the answer is yes. You know, the Bible records, again, Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that it was before the Lord. It was to the face of Jehovah. 
You know, it wasn't a self-elevating. Um, Obviously, if David wanted to, he could have had the front of the parade. He could have had his kingly robes. He could have had the crown. He could have had all the glory he wanted. But he chose to dress as a common person, wear a linen ephod with fine robes. He did, he did dress uh, to fit in that parade, but it wasn't as king. It was as a worshiper. You know, after Uzzah was killed... Uh, here's that verse I was looking for. First Chronicles 13, 12 says, David was afraid of God that day, saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? He was fearful. And I believe he spent three months figuring out how do we do this properly? How do I bring the ark to Jerusalem and not offend God in the process and not have someone die in the process? In 1 Chronicles 15, verse 11, the Bible says, David called for Zadok and Abathur, the priests, and for the Levites, um, and, and a, a bunch of names. Verse 12, and he said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us. For that we sought him not after the due order. Okay, that's a fancy way of saying, hey guys, we got it wrong the first time. We didn't follow the, the method, the means, the, the way that God wanted us to try this the first time. And someone lost their life because of it. And so now he says, look, we are going to follow the due order. We're going to follow what God has. Levites, it's on you. Sanctify yourself. Purify yourself. Okay, that means to, to be clean, to remove sin. Uh, verse 14, so the priests and Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders and the staves thereon as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. You know, if David had done all that research and, and, and found that God wanted a procession of peace, a procession of calmness, a procession of, of reverence. And don't get me wrong, there are times, even in David's life, when reverence, where calmness, where peacefulness, where silence was appropriate. You know, but I believe in this instance, it was not wrong to have a celebration. It was not wrong to be loud, to have music, to have cymbals, to have the psaltery, to have singing. And all of it was sanctified, all of it was set apart, all of it was holy, or an effort to be holy unto God. You know, in Psalms chapter 149, David is writing this, but it's a, it's a, it's a verse that's inspired by God. All right, so this isn't one of those, David did it, so we're going to do it. This is inspired by God, all right? Psalms 149, go, go ahead and turn with me there. There's, there's two chapters, we'll see. Psalms 149, verse 1, the Bible says, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Okay, this is talking about corporate. That's the word we use for church, all right, in the, in the assembly, the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Verse 3, let them praise his name in the dance. And it, it's, it, 
David wrote that inspired by God. And so I don't believe his conduct was inappropriate. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people and he will beautify the meek with salvation. All right, if one verse is not enough, we'll read the next chapter as well. Psalms 150. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and heart. Praise him with the timbrel and what? Dance. Again, not a sensual, wicked, sinful dance. All right? But there is a dance that glorified God. And I believe that that's what David was taking place, was, was taking part of. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding symbols. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And so, yes, I believe the answer, just beyond the fact that we find David did this, all right, I believe that his behavior is justified and backed up by Scripture, that God wanted to be praised, that God accepts praise. And David's conduct here, I don't believe, was what anything that Michael was talking about. I don't believe... Um, you know, David's heart was impure. And, and we'll continue here. David rebukes her. Go back to uh, 2 Samuel with me. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today! Who uncovered himself, uh, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. All right, his, her accusation, she was mad. It wasn't that she just saw him outside the window and was going to let it lie. All right, she was so mad that she said, you know what? I'm going to go confront him. I'm going to confront the king of Israel, my husband, of, of how foolish he was behaving. She uses the word uncovered. All right, we, we think of that to mean that he was um, immodest, all right, but that's not the case. Remember in First Chronicles, it says that he was clothed in fine linen, that he was wearing an ephod. And so the context makes us realize that it was uncovered in the sense that he wasn't wearing his kingly attire. She said, David, you're out there like one of these uh, fellows, these vain fellows. You're like a commoner. You're like all the other people in the crowd, Where's your crown? Where's your, where's your kingly robes? Where's your scepter maybe? You know, you, you're not acting your position. You're not behaving like a king. And she had so much anger. So she despised it so much that she thought, I'm going to go confront him. And so she does. Verse 21, see what David said. David said unto Michael, it was before the Lord. I humbled myself. I stopped being king for a day to worship God. I didn't, wear, I didn't wear my crown for a day because it was before the Lord. I was celebrating what God was doing. I was worshiping him. And then he kind of stabs a little bit. Who chose me before thy father. All right, if there is tension there, maybe they had had discussion before and Michael was upset that her father, Saul, had lost the kingdom, that God had, had taken his life essentially. You know, and David was the new king. So there probably was some animosity there. And David says, look, it was before the Lord, and God made me king over your, your father. 
or, or chose me before thy father and before all his house or, or um, following before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. Therefore will I dance before the Lord. Therefore will I celebrate before the Lord. Okay, we're not talking about playing with toys here, okay? Uh, verse 22. And I will be yet more vile than thus. Okay, we, we see that word, we think vile. David's saying, oh, I'm going to be sinful. That's not what he's saying. All right, that word vile means undignified, means humbled, all right? Means uh, debased, means uh, to, if you're a king, to act like a commoner, to, to live like a commoner. And so I will be more vile than this. I will be more humble than this. And will be, and if, you know, if there's any question, his next phrase answers that. And will be base in mine own sight. All right? I will humble myself as much as I can. All right? Be base means to be less, to be lower. Um, I will be base in my own sight. I will humble myself. In my opinion of myself, I will humble myself before the Lord. Of the maid servants which thou spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. He said, look, the people, you know, if, if her criticism was, David, you need to act like the king or the people won't respect you. David said, no, the people respect me. The people in that parade, the people in that, excuse me, in that celebration, the other musicians, the other people worshiping God, they haven't lost the respect. They haven't seen the king and said, oh, he can't be a king. All right? He says, they will, uh, of them shall I be had in honor. I haven't lost their respect. I haven't lost the, the respect of the crown. Verse 23, therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. Um, of the maidservants, David said, I have not lost the respect. I have not lost their honor. They saw a man just like them, worshiping and celebrating what God was doing. David had chosen to humble himself and worship God amongst them as one of them. So what is our application? You know, we have this story of the ark coming back. We have this, the, the record of David trying to do it biblically, trying to, you know, do it properly uh, to have God's blessing. They have a celebration. They have a parade. They have worship. And it's despised. You know, someone saw it and said, oh, that, that's not fitting. And David rebukes her. What is our application? How does this reflect uh, or how does this impact my life? You know, as I was reading this uh, in my devotions, it's almost like God said, which one are you? And so that's my application tonight. Which one are you? Which one am I? Am I David? Do I worship? Did I seek God to try and do it properly? Do I worship? The Bible uses the phrase, with all my might. Or am I Michael? Was I absent? Was I away from the celebration? Was I removed from worship? Did I despise someone who was worshiping God because it wasn't the way I thought it should be? You know, David had passionate worship with all his might before the Lord. You know, he didn't seek to elevate himself. If he was trying to do that, he would put on the crown, he'd put on the robes. He was seeking only to worship God. Michael had removed herself from worship. She saw it through a window. She saw it from a distance. 
She did not participate. Now, are we scared of, of worship? You know, are we scared of what that might look if it's different? You know, we, we've had the opportunity. Um, uh, I grew up here at, at Bethel. You know, I went to a different church for college. In that college, I went to a different church for extension work. I interned at another church, you know, and over the years, my wife and I, we've traveled and, and been able to visit some different churches. And let me tell you, different churches have different styles of worship, different displays of worship. And, and the, the thought that God convicted me of uh, was one that I don't sit on my, my throne, whatever you want to call it, and I look down and I despise a church because they worship differently. Now, I do think, and, and uh, you know, we have God's word. God has given us examples of what godly worship looks like and should be. You know, but if I can't find something that contradicts them, then, then it's an opinion. Then it's a preference. Am I scared of worship? You know, and, and I'd have to admit, all right, and here's where we get real personal. I am intimidated by physical displays of worship. You know, whether that would be clapping, whether that be raising a hand, whether that would be shouting amen, you know, whether that's coming down to the altar in the middle of a hymn when no one else is there, whether that's sitting in the back and tears coming down your face thinking about God saving you. And I'm intimidated. I am scared of physical displays of worship. And, and as I was going through my devotions, God convicted me about that. You know, if we start thinking about that, why would I be scared of a physical display of worship? It comes down to the word that came to me was self-conscious. All right, self-conscious. You pull those words apart and it has self, right? That I am worried what I look like. That I'm worried about my appearance. I'm worried that my church would see me at the altar. You know, God, God puts a message on pastor's heart, you know, and, and he, he preaches, God convicts me, and no one else goes forward. Well, I can't go. Everyone in the church will know that I struggle with whatever. And all of a sudden, I am saying no to God. God has put something on my heart, and I'm saying no. How many of us are scared to come pray at an altar? You know, who would see me? Who would think that I struggle with whatever was preached? And, and it's a newsflash. It doesn't matter. You know, when, when Michael saw what David was doing and, and confronted him on it, did, did she pull away from any of that celebration, any of that worship? No. If anything, it hurt her. It didn't hurt God. It didn't hurt David. It hurt her. Now, how many of us are scared to let a tear out? Uh, Amanda will remember this. I think I've only cried in church maybe once or twice. And at, uh, in, down in New Jersey a few years ago, I blubbered like a baby. It was embarrassing, but uh, God, had, he just got a hold of me. And, and, and I remember I was sitting behind Pastor and Ida, and I'm like doing the quiet sniffle, whatever. And Pastor turns around, and he just looks at me, because I, I typically don't cry. Um, I try not to cry, right? Um, pastor would be the first to admit, you know, as he's gotten older and he's gotten um, more sensitive, uh, he'll stand up here and, and he'll, he'll just cry. He'll break down. 
And, and that's not a bad thing. That's not. Because that means God has been doing something in his life and he's not scared, like so many of us, he's not scared to let it show. He's not scared to display it. So am I, am I a David? Am I willing to let that come through? Am I a Michael where I remove myself from worship? I'm not even going to participate. All right? I don't want to be at the celebration. I don't want to be where God is. Or do I despise? Do I take it a, f- a step further and I despise the people that do? I look at Paul and say, Paul, would you stop saying amen? It's distracting. Has that thought ever crossed you? Shame on us if it does. You know, someone comes down and prays. We sing a choir song. Someone comes down to pray at the altar and we say, well, what's that person doing again? Shame on us. Shame on me. I am just as guilty as anyone here. You know, the excuse that we've had for years is that it's distracting. You know, Brother Richard, you raise your hand, it's distracting. How dare you draw attention? To quote Josh, where's Josh? That sounds like a you problem. All right? When I was a youth pastor, he'd come up and we'd be talking about something. He's like, that sounds like a you problem. You know? And that's what it is. If I'm distracted by someone else's worship, that's a me problem. That's not a them problem. That's a me problem. Worship is not distracting. It is a display of the effect that God has on someone's life. Let me ask you the question. When the President of the United States steps out of Air Force One, what do the military men, the, the servicemen do? They salute. None of us say, oh, they're drawing attention to themselves. They say that is a position of respect, that is a position of honor. They salute to display the respect they have for the office. And yet when someone else, in essence, salutes God, worships God, praises God, we are drawn to them and not to God. And that's an us problem. That's a me problem. You know, Buddy Bunkle was here a number of years ago. How many guys miss Buddy? And I will never forget the illustration he used, his testimony. He was at a church, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't have it quoted exactly right. He was at a church, and the pastor got up, and he said, let's clap. Give the Lord a hand. And Buddy said that he grabbed the, the pew in front. He's like, I don't clap in church. That's not and he, uh, he said, but then he did something. He opened God's word, and he quoted a verse. In Psalms, chapter 47, verse 1, the Bible says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And Buddy said that the Holy Spirit came and said, Do you have a problem with my word? you have a problem praising me? No, Lord, I don't. And I will never forget that testimony. And so what does, very, I know I'm out of time, what does God say? What's not my preference? All right, what is not my, my heritage, my tradition? What does God say about worship? And we'll just, we'll breeze through these quickly. If you want to jot them down, uh, you can look them up later. I'm just going to read through them very, very quickly, and then we'll be done, all right? Worship is a response, and this is, uh, there's so many different definitions of worship. There really are. Worship is giving your life. Worship is giving of your time. Worship is a display. Worship is an inward response. Okay, one of, one of the best definitions I've come across, worship is a response to who God is and what he has done. A response. 
to what God has done and who God is. You know, Cody talked about, um, we're going to sing a song about the blood, about our salvation. What's your response when we talk about your salvation? What's your response when we talk about God washing your sins away? And if it doesn't make you do anything, oh, that's nice, God saved me. Oh, then, then we, shame on us, you know? What is, what is a response to what God has done? You know, I was trying to think back of the different emotional responses I've had in my life. When Timbit was born, yeah, he peeked right up, all right? The only time that I've ever cried tears of joy that I remember was when Timbit was born, you know? And I'm a new dad, and, you know, I've never experienced any of this before. Obviously, Amanda was pretty scary in labor, and, uh, you know, so I'm there with her, and my son is born, and I remember it. I remember just tears of joy. That is a response of a dad seeing his kid, right? What is our response when we think of God? What is our response when we think about what he's done for us? You know, I'm going to put Joanne on the spot. She said, if God heals me, I'm going to run the aisle. <laughs> you know, what's our response when God does these things in our lives? And I'll read through these. Exodus 34, verse 8. If you're writing these down, I'll give you the reference first. Exodus 34, verse 8. Moses bowed in worship. Moses bowed in worship. Exodus 34, verse 8 says, Moses made haste, bowed his head toward the earth, and worshiped. Okay, we understand that. When we pray, I remember being raised, you know, at supper time, bow your head, close your eyes. You know, we bow when we pray. And it's a sign of worship to God. Solomon, and that was in private. Moses, and there's some difference in private, excuse me, in public. Solomon in public, 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 22. Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. Corporate. Okay, we're talking about, let's call it a church service. Spread forth his hands toward heaven. And said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or in earth beneath who keepeth covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all thy heart. He prayed, raising hands to heaven. Ezra, this was private. Ezra kneeled, spreading out his hands. Ezra 9 verse 5, at the evening sacrifice I arose from my heaviness, having rent my garment, my mantle, I fell upon my knees, spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. All the people of Israel, this was public. In Nehemiah 8, verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshiped with the Lord, or worshiped the Lord with, the face, with their faces to the ground. Psalms 141, verse 1, David compares raising hands as a sacrifice. I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth to thee as incense and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. David compared a display of worship as a sacrifice. Uh, in the New Testament, okay, if we say, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. New Testament, 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. Paul in the church, public, I will therefore talking about at church, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In Revelation, what was John's response when he saw Jesus? 
Revelation 1 verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. What is our response when we're confronted with the the presence of God? What is our response when we're confronted with the idea of, of what God has done? You know, has God saved you? Oh boy. Has God saved us? It, it, should, it should move you. You know, to think about what hell is. Think about the lake of fire. Think about what Christ did on the cross for you, for me. You know, it should be more than just, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, maybe we need a bit of David. We need to be loud. We need to have the music. We need to have symbols. We need to have psaltery. We need to have um, passion. We need to be humble. We need to push out the self-consciousness. And again, please, please don't think for a moment I'm, I'm judging you guys. All right? This is as much of God convicting me and judging me for my self-consciousness, for my being too timid, for my pride. And so I would, just, I would just challenge you. Look at God's word. What does worship look like in the Bible? You know, are we, David says, with all his might do we worship? Are we Michael? Are we disconnected? Are we pulled away from worship? Or do we go a step further and we look down? We judge those. We despise, is the Bible word, those people that do actually worship. Let's pray. We'll stand together. Lord, I do love you, God. I do thank you for your word, God. I thank you, um, God, how much you've worked on my heart. God, I pray that you'd help me not to be ashamed, not to be timid, not to be self-conscious. God, but to worship you how you would be pleased with. God, I thank you for our church, and I thank you for the heritage that we have here and the, um, just the testimony of so many here. And God, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would, would show each one what you would have, God. It's such an individual thing, and it's spirit-led, I do believe. God, I pray that you'd work in our hearts this evening. As you guys stand there, I, just, I ask you the question. Ask yourself, who am I? Do I worship with all my might? Am I ashamed of that? Am I scared of that? Do I disconnect? Do I remove myself? Do I condescend and judge other people because of what that might look like? Let's spend a few moments in prayer and then we'll be finished.